0: This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student well-being, character development, and academic improvement. Welcome to The Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr.
1: Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project Podcast. We're delighted to welcome to the microphone today Cindy McGarvey. Cindy is currently the CEO of Youth for Christ Australia, a position she's held for five years. She started off in some of her professional career working with the Australian Army as a nurse. After several years working in that capacity, her and her husband undertook some missionary work in Africa, Tanzania, and Uganda. She's then been working with different charity organisations before she took on her role as CEO of Youth for Christ. Cindy lives in Brisbane with her husband. She's a mother of five children who are doing different things in different parts of the world. Cindy, can I welcome you to the Inspiration Project?
0: Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Brendan, for inviting me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. We have been enjoying hearing people's experiences and having them reflect a little on their journey intention for our conversation today is just to hear a little bit about how how you found God working in your life to lead you in different avenues, which clearly he has done from the military to some missionary work and now into CEO of a a, a national organization. Uh, When you were um, back at school, did you have a sense that you were destined for big things?
0: Well, you know, I always... It's funny when you look back, I always was interested in other cultures. Mm. And one of my favourite subjects at school was uh, geography. I loved learning about people groups and how they thought and what made them tick. Mm. And so uh, I just thought, oh, that's just something that I'm interested in. I didn't think much of it. Until um, years later when I went to work on the mission field mm. in Africa for 12 years uh, and um, I remember one day I was walking on this track. I, I, I was teaching a group of African women and I had to walk a few kilometres on this dusty track where you feet and all uh, get dirty from all the red, mu- uh, red dust. And I remember walking and thinking, hmm, this was what I was made for, mm. and so it. And then I immediately thought back: Oh, that's why I love cultures, and that's yeah. why I I always loved people groups. And so, yeah, it was something I didn't recognise, but was always there. Yes,
1: yeah, so, and that's that's an interesting realisation to have after spending quite a few years in a different field of life. Although, were you overseas? Were you serving overseas in, the, in your military service?
0: No, I served um, just before women were allowed to serve overseas.
1: Okay. So there was a, a bit of a um, agenda thing that pres- precluded you from that yes. opportunity. Yeah, right. Well, we might dip back into that topic as the conversation yes. goes. Very different to the sort of work, or is it very different to the work you're doing now? The mission work at the coalface of, of human need and relationships, CEO of a national mm-hmm. company, much of a jump from... One to the other?
0: Uh, not really, but the Lord prepared me. Um, my husband was uh, the the national director for our mission. We worked with, with Bible Translators. Right. Uh, we trained actually as um, Bible translators, and um, and then we were sent to Uganda. And um, at first, my husband, we were sort of pioneering the work there because uh, Wycliffe didn't, or SIL, which is uh, the organized sister organisation as it's known on, on the, uh, at the field. Yeah, we, it was a new work in Uganda mm. and um, they needed people to pioneer. So when we went in, there were a number of other missionary families from the USA. And so um, my husband coordinated that. So my husband also has a military background and that's right. where we met. And so he was really good at setting up and pioneering stuff and all that, that mm. good Aussie spirit. Mm. And so uh, he helped each of the. There was about three uh, couples or three little families. Some hadn't had children at that stage. So, and they were to be located in remote villages. So mm. he was able to go out with them and help them to set up and all of that sort of thing. And so really I was, I walked beside him as the director uh, and then he ended up becoming the director of, of two countries, Uganda and Tanzania. So right. I worked, walked with him in both, um, you know, in that capacity and I learned a lot mm. uh, about leadership. You know, yeah. there were over um, 100 international missionaries and over a hundred, um, uh, national, mm. uh, workers and missionaries who served in the Bible translation and literacy work there in Uganda and Tanzania. And so there was a lot of work to do and there was a lot of, um, you know, from people relations to yes. government relations, yes. to strategy, to business, all of those sort of things. So I learned a lot, um, through that. And so on that journey, I, I guess, uh, it was a great learning journey for me. Mm. I I didn't know that I was going to end up in in a similar role, Mm. but yeah, missions is missions. Mm. You have to, you have to be transformed by the gospel Mm. and you have to, um, otherwise you've got nothing to give other people. Yeah. You know, if the gospel hasn't transformed you, you got nothing to sell. And so, um, I saw that as really, really important in evangelism So, and, uh, you know, sharing the love of God.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let, let me r- roll you back. You, you're obviously very conscious of the power of the gospel and uh, the need for that to be a transforming, a personally transforming thing. Tell me about the origins of that for you. When was your personal encounter with God and, and with the claims of the gospel?
0: Yeah, well, I... I grew up in a very uh, religious, a traditional religious family, very strict family. I went to um, a a private Catholic school and so I was brought up in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I was brought up also on a farm mm-hmm. and with horses and cattle and all that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I had a great upbringing but I didn't really understand the gospel or mm. or. Or um, understand how powerful powerful it was. Mm. So I, um, I just had so much self doubt. I was such an insecure girl. I had I developed this self loathing. Um, I I just had so many issues that you do with teenage years, and I thought there is something wrong with me. Mm. There, there must be something wrong with me. And then I just developed this thing that I'll probably never get married and I'll probably never have children because there's something wrong with me. Um, and I had I had a bit of an anxiety. And then then I joined the Army and I, I met my husband.
1: Can I just put the... Yeah. That seems an interesting career choice for somebody who has some self-doubt and doesn't, doesn't <laughs> have a lot of self-belief. That, that is a challenging lifestyle to go into the Army. It's not an easy thing. What, what made that connection well, for you?
0: I think it was because I was very sporty, so I was into every sport and I played sport really well. So I was very athletic. Um, and also I think when you grow up on a farm, you're pretty um, – you, I was a tomboy. Really? So I was out riding horses and up trees and just doing everything outside. And so I love doing all that. So I wanted the rough and tumble. I, I yes. had um, a couple of brothers and lots of cousins and, um, and I just loved, you know, I played field hockey, the rougher. The better. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. So it seems a bit strange that. Um, so the army was just, you know, I rappelled out of helicopters, yeah. Yeah, I wow. used weapons. Uh,
1: just basic training rain. and they just keep bringing it on the physical challenge. Yeah, That's, I
0: loved all that. Mm. I loved all that. But inside about um, who I was, I didn't yeah. know who I was. Right. I totally didn't know who I was. And um, so that was, that was the struggle. And, I, like and, I knew I could do all these. There's a, you know, physical things, but who I didn't know who I was.
1: There's a, a bit of an impression from those of us that have armed distance to the armed forces. That part of the military training is that they tell you who you are, that they recast you in and the image they want. Is was that something that you found that it gave you an identity that you weren't confident about finding yourself?
0: Yes. Uh, so really. Um, the process of being trained in the military is actually called re-socialisation. Mm-hmm. So basically they break you down and mm. then they build you up to mm. something and um, it's, it's so good. <laughs> mm. I can't recommend it enough. It mm. is really, really good. But they don't tell you who you, your identity, you know, it doesn't speak to your soul or your spirit. Right. So um, it speaks to other aspects, which yeah. I think are really important as yeah. well. So, um, in that re-socialization, you become much more confident. You think, mm. "Oh, I can do all these things." Yep. Um, uh, you know, I can. Do, once you are self-disciplined, you can do so much more. And mm. so, learning to get up in the morning, learning to run—you know, we had to run in a group. And um, oh, look! And learning to not think as an individual—that was the biggest yeah, thing, right. I think. You know, we're all like, and I'm really competitive, you know, with all the sport and everything. And so I I didn't care about anyone else. I just wanted to win a race and get all the glory. And, um, you know, those people who say that winning isn't everything, I totally didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so so what they would do, they would run us along in a group and if someone fell down in exhaustion, like we were running up a hill, we all had to turn around and run back and um, help that girl. Um, we trained um, uh, with all girls. Mm. Yeah, and then um, we had to run back up the hill, and if we lost anyone, we all had to run around again. And so basically what it did um, was it trained us to look out for everyone else yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, after a while, those who might have um flaked out just from lack of self-discipline and things like that because there's genuinely people who are, aren't as athletic or whatever, well, then they would realise that they were putting others uh, through a really tough time of having to run up, run up a hill and back until they got their act together. So there was a, a lot of learning as a group and as a team and I think mm. it was really important.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's super. And I interrupted you'd tell me you, you found your – your your husband in the armed forces, and where did that leave you in terms of finding yeah,
0: faith? Yeah, well, well, I found, we we started dating, and I I wasn't a Christian, and um, but I was just um, there were some things that happened that um contributed uh, to um, I guess me being in a really tough place. There was some bullying and things like that, and that um, and so I. I, I had been really searching. I thought, oh, I was looking at people thinking, oh, some people I, I had seen, this is outside the army, mm. had such peace, but I didn't mm. have it. And I used to think, hmm, where do they get that peace from? Because mm. I, I just don't know it. And so we were dating and then we decided to live together, to move in together. So we were doing that and we had another friend, We were, you know, just young people, um, Of the time. And, um, but I was just getting more and more feeling like, oh, wow, if, if this is life, if I've got, um, I've got a good job, it's fun, I get to do all these exciting things. I've got a, um, you know, I had a car, I had a job, I had the men I was going to marry. We were engaged at the time. And I thought, what else would you want in life? Yeah. Yeah. else would you want in life and I just thought if this is life this is all life has to offer me well then life sucks and I may as well just end it
1: oh my goodness
0: that's that's how I was and so I I started um seeking uh, I was really I, I yeah the circumstances that were putting pressure on me were were tough and I couldn't get out of those circumstances and so I started. Um, I thought, oh, those people who do yoga are really calm people. <laughs> so I went to this yoga class, and we're all sitting there, and, the, and they started telling us all these things. Like, um, so when people, they were telling us some things, like, oh, when a baby is born crying, well, that means that someone could have died in a car accident or something, you know. And, and so they were, and I said, hey, is this reincarnation or?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, I said, is this a religion you're teaching us? And they said, what is a religion? Wow. And I thought, well, what is it? You know, I, I had rejected all yeah, the, yeah. what I'd bought it
1: The formalities you'd known, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I said, well, I guess it's some sort of belief system. And then after that I didn't go because I just thought, no, nah, I, mm. I don't want that. Mm. But it was shortly after that I, um, I had an old friend, she she actually got kicked down the army because she'd become an alcoholic in the army, you know, and some of the pressures in the army, mm. like we were all under during that time, a long time ago. And um, she had become a Christian and stopped drinking. And yeah. I only ever knew her as someone who just drank and drank and there were just all sorts of horrible repercussions for that. And so she, um, she, she, She said, hey, I'm not drinking anymore. Um, Do you want to meet up? Mm. And I'm now studying. I've gone back to school. Um, And I thought, I don't know. But I was really intrigued. And she said, I'm a Christian now. Mm. And I thought, ooh, Mm. what is this? So I was really intrigued and I went. She invited me to this barbecue and I went to the barbecue. And it was actually this barbecue for... um, This organization called Drug Arm, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's really the Christian, it's like a Christian version of um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. So it's using a lot of those things, but with with Christian. Yeah. And um, so I met this, the first person I met was this guy called Duncan and he was about 40 and I said, I'll have to have a beer with you sometime, Duncan. Duncan from the song. Not knowing where I was. And um, later I heard his testimony and he's just such a beautiful man and he just shared how, um, you know, alcohol had just basically wrecked his life but he doesn't Mm. drink anymore and he found deliverance in Jesus and all this sort of thing. And then I heard other people tell, a young girl who had come out of drug addiction and stuff like that and as I listened to it and it was all just shortly after me going to this yoga stuff and, you know, I was really Mm. searching and I I listened to what they had to say, and I thought, yes, I know God is the way, but I couldn't do that because I just haven't got that faith. Mm. I, I don't have it. Mm. I, you know, yeah. Wish well, you
1: did, but not there.
0: Yeah. Like I couldn't have that faith, mm. but, yeah, that's just for certain people, not me. And so but then, so I went over to Duncan and I said to him, um, well, I guess I won't have this beer <laughs> with you after all. I didn't drink beer actually, yeah. but I just loved this. I was brought up on Slim Dusty. Yeah. And so he um he just laughed and he said, uh, um, can I pray for you? And I thought, Ooh, don't wanna don't wanna offend him again, yeah. you know, and I said, Oh, okay. And so I just I didn't know what that meant or whatever. And he was standing above me. I was sitting on a stool. And he prayed for me, and he wept over me. I could feel the tears fall on my head.
1: Wow! Cindy. And
0: um, he died a few years later, but it was that that just. And the next day they said, "Hey, do you want to come to church?" And I'm like, "Oh, what, what church? You yeah. know." And I went, and coming from more the traditional church, I walked into the church. I didn't want to be there. I tried to make all the excuses, but when I went to the church. I saw that people were actually happy to be there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'd
0: never (laughs) never seen.
1: Not your previous experience.
0: And so I was, I'm a very observant person and just looking around and it was there that I just thought they have something that Mm. I do not have Mm. and this is what I'm looking for. And it was there that I just thought I want this. Mm. I I know God is the answer and I want it. And that's Mm. when I said, um, Lord, you know, I want you. God, I want you in my own sort of way. And uh, my life was totally transformed from then on. But my husband wasn't a Christian then.
1: So there must be a story there.
0: Yeah. Well, that didn't happen until a couple of years later. But I was like, whoa, he thought I'd gone crazy. And, you know. And in
1: some ways you had. Was, you, were a, you were a different person, right?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was. And, um, and so – You know, there was this whole thing we were about to get married. And, you know, this thing about marrying someone who's not a believer and all that sort of thing. At that stage, I just said, okay, we're not living together anymore. We're, you know. So um that was a journey. And I just thought if if um the Lord was working on me to put things in order, and I just thought, if this man loves me, yeah, and, and and God is faithful that um you know, he will work things out, and so my husband—he was—he's a like amazing army guy, sharpshooter, everything, and he was in engineers, so he knew how to all do all the booby traps and the landmines and build bridges and all that. And he has an, another amazing story, and. Um, but what I can tell you, Brendan, is don't leave notes around for your husband to say <laughs> "turn" or "burn" and things like that. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't. It's
1: not effective. No, that's right. i, I suggest don't leave notes for anybody like that. Sound that no. way, I think, Sydney <laughs> but especially your husband. I take the take or that repent or
0: yeah. anything like that it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I get that. Well, let me ask you: having had this incredible encounter with with the God that gave you an identity that you were looking for, you hadn't found it at school in traditional religion, you hadn't found it at the, the army and the structure and the regiment or the achievement that that brings, you didn't find it in yoga and that sort of spirituality, you found it in this encounter with Jesus. What did that do about the circumstances you are in that were hard and, and uh, had, had made you desperate in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, at the time, at that time, I had bulimia. Right. I developed I had so much self hatred and loathing that I had bulimia. So, and and so, even though I was engaged to be married, I had, and I, he, my husband didn't even know, or you know, wow. my boyfriend at the time, or fiance, he didn't even know. So, I was running and running all these kilometers, and then I'd go and make myself vomit. Wow, and um, I was getting thinner and thinner, and somehow I believed the lie that if I was thinner and looked mm. better, you know, people would like me better. Mm. But it was it was actually all about me not liking myself.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and um, and yeah. So that so immediately, immediately that I um, accepted the Lord Jesus, and I asked him to come and be the boss of my life immediately that left me. I had no more urge to do that. That was gone. And so that, that changed me. Also, you know, I had, I had, um, I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. So, um, that was all, all gone. I, um, I just, what else happened? I started changing and, um, so there was this friction with mm. my fiance at the time, you know, because we'd been living together and all that sort of thing. And he was like, oh, she's gone crazy. Yeah, she's yeah. gone off the deep end and all, yeah. all that sort of thing. So that that was a friction in itself. But the funny thing was that um, uh, when we did get married, because uh, I, I just loved God. I loved yeah. what he was doing in my life and how he was changing me. And he said, my husband said, um, and because he was away nine months of the year in the Army, so I started wow. studying at Knight Bible College. I was a nurse in the operating theater. yeah yeah, so i I get, would get called in and work all sorts of hours and everything like that. But um when he was home, he and so I had all my friends, so I'd go to Bible studies and everything. And I had all my friends. <laughs> I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. And he would he would come home. he'd been away for a month or two, and he and um he might be in the living room watching TV or something and then he'd come in and I was with all my friends, you know, I have a couple of friends and we'd be talking and then he'd go out and then he'd come back an hour later or whatever and he just says, haven't you got anything else to talk about? The only thing <laughs> you talk about is God. You know, Could you not change the subject?
1: <laughs> and, yeah, and for so you, what else is there to talk about? This is the thing that's the well, most important well, thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure, at that yeah. time, because and and this was the other thing how it changed me. So I didn't um, I didn't shy away from sharing with him what God was doing in my life. So I would say to him, "Oh, I just realized I got this in my life, and um, God's really I feel that God is really speaking to me about this, or, or I feel like oh, I just is." And so I would tell him all the time, and he's a, a fairly quite a more um, internal thinker. I'm an external thinker. Mm-hmm. And he would sit there and he would listen to me and listen to me. <laughs> One day he just said to me, gee, i have got a lot of problems.
1: <laughs> well, that's reassuring. <laughs> You sure you want to take this on?
0: <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we laugh about it to this day. Gee, I've got a lot of problems. But the Lord has really worked in my life.
1: Amen. That's great. So a, that's an, an amazing story of of uh, a transformative conversion or, or um, discovery. Discovery of God's love for you, I suppose, is what you've been describing. What prompted you and your husband then to spend 12 years in the red dust of Africa.
0: Yeah, well, um, if if we look at from my husband's perspective, he always had uh, from the time he was in high school. I think he started working when he was fourteen. He would support a child from word, World Vision. Right. So actually, God planted little seeds in his heart, yeah. and he was he grew up in a totally atheistic, non-religious home but he was always interested in helping others and yeah. so so with the money he made on the side he worked in a bakery early in the morning before school and different things like that and then he did a he did a building apprenticeship and things like that and he just kept supporting um children from overseas through world mm. world vision and when i became a christian i i said to my husband Oh look! I'd really like to do because our church had mission trips, and that just fired me up, and yeah. you know, and they'd had missionaries coming to to um, speak, and they would say, you know, if you want to give your life to the Lord to work with missions to serve with Him, and I'm like, yes, That's yes,
1: me, yep, me up.
0: <laughs> but I'd go home and tell my husband, and go, he, yeah, so he wasn't. um when he wasn't a Christian and also then when he became a Christian, he started then starting to get interested in it. And then it, it, it just developed from there. We both had a heart for, we both have a heart for service because, yes. you know, both with our army background, yes. we love our country. We love, um, we love helping the poor. We love to be able to give back what's mm. been given to us. Mm. And so, we looked at. Um, we were in the process of applying for volunteers abroad. Uh, I don't know Australian volunteers abroad, yes, which is yes. more of a Australian government yeah, type yeah. thing, um, and that's all we knew of. Um, we thought, oh, okay. Well, you know, I have a nursing background, and my husband has a uh, construction background, and um, as we were sort of in that process, um, we were in this little Baptist church. In country Victoria, because my husband's from that way. And um, along uh, one weekend, they brought in a team from Wycliffe Bible translators. Yeah, right. And um, they came and they just presented and they said, Guess how many languages are in the world? Over 8,000. Wow. Guess how many languages have the Bible in their language? Don't know. The full Bible, maybe only 3,000. Wow. Can't remember the exact figures, but there's something like that. There's still, there's still a so lot of work much more where yeah. people don't have the Bible in their heart language. Goodness, and there's so much work to do, and like that just rocked us. Yeah, we yeah. were, and also during that time, my husband started really getting into um, missions. He um, did some Bible smuggling in some uh-huh. parts of the world and things like that. Fascinating. You know, because he's a bit of a risk taker yeah. gun ho type. And so um, yeah, so we when we saw that we thought, oh wow, wouldn't it be great to be involved in that? And so we started investigating, then we started doing courses, and then we ended up studying Bible translation.
1: Mm. So you in were the Bible, Bible translators, Bible Trans- Cindy. You that's that yeah, was we studied you Bible translation. Wow.
0: Yeah. And um, but we realized that our gift, well, I could, yeah, my husband's gift is more in pioneering and managing and uh, big vision, all of that's not getting down to little tiny, you know, is this a noun or a verb and learn the language and all that. His Gifting is not in that area, mm-hmm. although there's some people who are just great at it mm-hmm. and fantastic. So um, we trained as that, but we went over to help pioneer and help support Uh, The teams. Yeah, gotcha. And then it it just went from there and then he he was um, appointed director and he served for seven years as the director.
1: In which case both of your experience in Army with systems and structures and routines and logistics, perfect preparation for supporting a pioneering mission work.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. my husband, you know, he could build anything, he could – pack truck because a lot of the work was remote mm. work in villages mm. where that needed it. And, um, so a lot of people had to, who were from cities, you know, people who were Westerners would come as missionaries. Mm. So basically my, one of my roles was training, um, uh, new missionaries, mm. orientating them to the, the culture and the lifestyle and all that sort of thing. Mm. But so, And because I was raised in the country and on the land and all that sort of thing, you sort of used to roughing it and all that sort of thing. But a lot of people came from cities and and things like that. They didn't know how to pack trucks. They didn't know how to drive four wheel drives. They didn't know how to live in remote areas and things like that. Um, But my husband, you know, being an army field engineer, uh, nine months a year out push back and forth, back and forth, um, was really, he could just do anything. So he, did a lot of that for them, even though he was the executive director.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that, that service heart that he had—we're going to make this work, and yes. just do what needs to do for God to be present in this place. Yeah.
0: Yes. Exactly.
1: Let, let, let me skip twelve years of that. Then you find yourself in this position of uh, through a few other little positions. But five years ago, Youth for Christ. T- tell us a bit about the work of Youth for Christ and and uh, what you guys are doing.
0: Yeah, so Youth for Christ um, was started around 70 years ago. It's a post-war World War II organization, and Billy Graham was the first missionary for Youth for Christ. So everyone knows Billy Graham. He went on after Youth for Christ to start his Billy Graham crusades and all that sort of thing. So uh, Youth for Christ is really about peer-to-peer evangelism. Right. So equipping and helping young people to share the gospel with their their peers so that that's basically the essence and the core of youth for christ and um so i've been serving youth for christ uh for five years and we've been on a journey um on a journey but over the last couple of years particularly this last year um we've had some we've been into some really exciting things um and I just want to go back about peer-to-peer evangelism yes, as well yes, because this do. might be interesting to you. Um, my daughter went to a, a public school and um, so I I became involved in the Parents and Citizens Association and with the Parents and Citizens Association, I then became president. So I served for three years as that, just fairly recently. And um so I noticed in a school we had a chaplain. Many, uh, yeah, many schools don't have a chaplain, a public school, but um, the Christian presence was almost zero. Really? Apart from the chaplain in, in the high schools. Yeah. I, this was the first time I noticed because my other children didn't go to a public school. I noticed that all the families had exited the school, and it was. Just really sad seeing, you know, there were so many problems within that school. I just um, saw that there was a great need. But of all the school, I saw that my daughter was probably the only Christian in the school, Mm. only Christian student. So if you you do the statistics, it was probably less than 0.1% or something like that. So, if you think of the Joshua Project, the Joshua Project um, is a project that researches the the unreached people groups, and then they classify if a people group is unreached, and they use different means of classifying that. Whether how many Christians are they, evangelical Christians? Uh, they, you know, they they look at the culture. Yeah. They look at the hostility towards Christianity. All of those factors, and I compared that with um, the Joshua Project and saw that everywhere that we have schools, you know, that there are unreached people groups within. Mm. Um, so I counted about eight churches mm. around the school, and we couldn't get. There was no church presence in the school. There was no church help. There was no school, church presence and all that sort of thing. So one Christian person in the school. The really exciting news is that all many of the churches are now involved and all of that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But um, if you think of um, who are the ones who speak the language of the young mm-hmm. people the best, yeah, yeah, you would know being in a high school. Who are the ones who understand the culture? Yeah. Who are the ones, you know, and, and I know as a missionary, you had to learn the language. We have to understand the culture, yeah. all of those things in order to reach the people group. Yeah. And so I think that is thinking, you know, that is the thinking behind. We have an unreached people group, yeah, the younger yeah. generation. Yeah. And the younger generation know the language. They know, they have, you know, they live every day with this unreached people group. Yeah. And so it's such such a need, and, and we at Youth for Christ just, um, you know, it's our heart's desire to help train and equip young people to reach their peers so, for
1: Christ. Sydney, let, let me ask you about that. The, the notion that a young person who's got a passion for Jesus um, wants to, to be a light, to be a witness, it, is that enough for them to have that passion, or are there things that they can learn that will help them be able to make a difference in the lives of their friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we're finding is that they don't know how to share the gospel. Yeah. And um, so we actually, we've just started this, um, what we call the Jesus campaign, where we're using tools that are used by the underground, ch- well, they were developed by the underground church in Asia. mm to share the gospel, and I'm sitting in with their classes mm. being taught by these young people. And, um, you know, I used the tools <laughs> just a month or two ago. I was in a laundry. My washing machine broke down. I met a young mother in the laundry, and before I knew it, I used this tool and I led it to the Lord, wow. and I'm now discipling her. Wow. I, um, I... And then recently I led someone else to the Lord. Great. So simple. So using those tools,
1: yeah, uh, like learning
0: how to lead someone to the Lord, learning how to tell your story. Yeah. There was a time in my life, so we teach them how to tell your story in like 15 seconds. There was a time in my life when I was so broken Yeah, and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um and we also teach them how to disciple. Yeah. So a lot of the young people might not get to go to church or um, or to be with any other Christians at any other time. Yes. So what do you do with your friends? So you've got to think when someone comes to Christ, they're just a little baby, are you going to just leave them there? Yeah. And we, we little babies need caring for yes. and nurturing. Yes. And so... Um, yeah, so so it's giving young people tools to be able to share their faith yeah. uh, and to be able to disciple.
1: That is excellent. Really, so good. I was looking at some of the notes that we had about your biography, and one of the phrases says that uh, Cindy is an evangelist at heart, and I think that has come oh. through so clearly in in the story that you've told that that. Uh, The encounter you had with Jesus has made such an impact and such a transformation that you can't help but tell people about that and finding ways, whether it's through the translation of the word into their native language, whether it's through the relationship that that you have in a home or a school or a community or whether it's somebody you bump into at the laundry, the driving force to say there is good news uh, that I've received and I want to pass on to you. That's, that's mm. a wonderful thing. It, it feels a little, I don't know whether you feel this, but it seems that this current role is the sort of culmination of what God's been doing in your life, That coming to the place of Youth for Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just love young people. I, I just, uh, you know, having uh, young adults, uh, myself, just mm. love it. They're mm. just so interesting and they uh, – so much fun. Just really, really enjoy uh, having young people around me.
1: Yeah. Well, it is, a, is it a fantastic to see to find somebody who at, at the stage of life you are can can see the hand of God preparing and shaping and adding skills and experiences that in his perfect time will coalesce and, and be unified in a, in a purpose and a call that that obviously you, you find fulfilling and rewarding and a sense of purpose and meaning. in.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Cindy McGarvey, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk with you. Uh, We continue to pray. Uh, I know many of us respect the work that Youth for Christ does, and um, we'll continue to pray that he uses you to lead that organisation into more and more fruitfulness.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Brennan. It's been a pleasure.
1: Great to have you.